amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 18. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 18. Thank you so much. 1 Corinthians... The writings of the Apostle Paul. Paul makes a statement here and he says, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than ye all. Paul was linguistic in that he could speak several languages that he had learned in what we would call today the university or college or school. But this was not what he was speaking of. The entire 14th chapter of 1 Corinthians was given to us as the Holy Spirit gave us guidance in the gift of tongues, the utterance of tongues, prophecy, and interpretation of tongues. The church at Corinth, you cannot really fault them. I've read so many books from preachers that tried to speak evil of the church at Corinth. You cannot really fault them. You cannot really blame them because you and I today have the New Testament. We have the 14th chapter, 1 Corinthians. We have the teaching of the Holy Spirit in regard to the operation of the gifts of the Spirit. They did not have it then. Consequently, that is one of the reasons the Apostle Paul wrote the two letters to the church at Corinth. They were coming to church. Scores of them had just received the mighty Holy Ghost. They were all speaking in tongues. There was no regulation. That word is a harsh word, but for the want of a better one, I'll use it. They did not know exactly how to operate in the realm of the gifts of the Spirit. Consequently, there were excesses. Consequently, there were problems that developed. But we cannot fault them because we have problems that develop in churches nowadays even when we have the instructions as to how it ought to be done. And Paul was telling them how the gift of tongues, one of the nine gifts of the Spirit, was to be used how that it was to operate, when it was to be used, then he told them, forbid not to speak in tongues. He said, I'm not trying to stop you. I'm just telling you through the Spirit where it ought to be done and how it ought to be done. 
And he said, to show you that I'm not trying to tell you to stop, he said, I thank God I speak with tongues more than ye all. Now I want you to know that was a lot of speaking in tongues. Because the church at Corinth had literally gone overboard with it. But the truth was, Paul would speak in tongues subconsciously. He would speak in the Spirit. He would pray in the Spirit over and over and over again. I learned this little secret not long ago. You don't have to speak out loud. You can speak in tongues as you go about your daily walk. In your spirit, in your subconscious, your mind never uh, can go ahead and dwell on whatever you're thinking of. And yet inside you're speaking in tongues. Talk about making a devil mad. That really gets to him. I want to use for a subject today. I, I've never preached on this before as far as an entire message is concerned. And today the Lord said do it and it's, it's, it's his service. So we will endeavor to obey him. Bible reasons why you should speak in tongues. Would you bow your heads please? Father, we thank you, we praise you, we worship you. As I approach you, the throne of grace, this afternoon, I ask that not only would you help me to preach, as I'm sure you shall, and anoint us, but anoint these people to hear and receive of your mighty word. Help us to say only that which we ought to say. Help us to do that only which we ought to do. And I ask that you would anoint these people as I mention it again. You told me to pray this. You said if you will pray for the people that mine anointing will be upon them to hear the word. They will not be able to forget it. They may resist it. They may reject it. But it will go straight to their hearts. And I thank you for that and we give you praise and glory and everyone said amen and amen. Bible reasons why you should speak in other tongues. There are times that people have accused the charismatic, the full gospel, the Pentecostal. That's all you do is talk about speaking in tongues. That's not so. We discuss, we converse, we speak about salvation. A whole lot more than these other particular things. Speaking in tongues is very, very important, but it is not the most important of the great things that God has given. But yet never, never be guilty of relegating anything that God gives to insignificance. Everything that God gives gives is very, very important. I've heard some people say, well, tongues are the least of the gifts. No, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible does not even hint remotely at such a thing as saying that tongues are the least of the gifts. When it came to tongues and prophecy, the Bible said that tongues are lesser than prophecy. But that was the only two it was mentioning. Actually, 
And it went on to say that tongues with interpretation are just as powerful as prophecy. Now, everything that God has is so very, very important. And do not ever be so crass. Do not ever be so ignorant as trying to say, well, that's insignificant. I don't want to fool with it. I just won't have anything to do with it because it doesn't amount to anything. Everything that God does or has is so very, very important and plays a special place in the work and the plan of God. And I don't mean just a little place. I mean a special place. If you think today, that your little toe on your foot is unimportant, insignificant. A lot of things you cannot do with your toe. It's not nearly as important as your hand, but you just cut off that little toe and you'll see how much you miss it. You follow what I'm saying? You'll find out right quick, all of a sudden you'll be walking along and you'll just fall over. Because that little old bitty toe that has that little ugly nail on it, serves as a tremendous pivoting, balancing function on your foot that holds up all 194 pounds of Jimmy Swaggart. It, it's a pivot there. It's a balance point. So everything about this physical body, that's what the Word told us. It said, don't say to one part of your body that's not glamorous or beautiful that I have no need of thee because every part is significant. That's what the Holy Ghost was saying. So that means it is ridiculous for any Christian to say, well, I don't want anything like tongues because it's nothing to it. It's insignificant. I will major in love. I will too, but when you have love, you will want everything that God has. I don't care what the world says or the devil or the church or anything else. Praise God. That's right. One man asked me once in Nashville, Tennessee, came up to me, and I'm going to have to gear your thinking now because some of you will go out of here and you'll misunderstand me. He came up and he said, Brother Swaggart, do I have to speak in tongues to be filled with the Holy Ghost? I said, no, sir. He said, oh, thank the Lord. But I said, when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, you will speak in other tongues. You see, I knew he was seeking tongues. He wasn't seeking the Holy Spirit. At least that's what he had his mind on. He was all geared up. He was all uh, bothered. That's a word I'm using. He was hindered by tongues. That was the pivot point that was causing him problems. Don't worry about the tongues per se. You seek the Holy Ghost and the tongues will take care of itself. Do not put the cart before the horse. You don't have to worry about that. The river will flow. Out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living waters. Some people say that it's, it's you know, all it is is gibberish. It's just some jabber. It's just some incoherent babble. I suppose that the majority of the books that have been written in these past few years opposing the baptism in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues, I guess I've read most of them. And the arguments that are presented against this great Bible doctrine are so shallow they defy description. And, and, and when men that call themselves Bible scholars start to 
to, to uh, say that all of this is, when they get down to that level, they have no doctrinal defense. They have no biblical proof, so all they can say is, it's just gibberish, it's just chatter, it's just babble, babble it's just incoherent gibberish, and it doesn't make any difference. In the Kansas City Crusade, God gave us a great number of people filled with the Holy Ghost on the Sunday afternoon just like this. The power of God swept the place. Scores prayed through beautifully, instantly, wondrously to the Holy Spirit. We believe the Holy Ghost is an experience subsequent to salvation. You get saved first, and it is doctrinally, scripturally, biblically true that when you get saved, you do receive the Holy Spirit after a measure. That's true. That's Bible. So it's not wrong whenever people say, yes, I receive the Holy Spirit. But what we are talking about is the baptism in the Holy Ghost with power. Where Jesus said in Acts 1 and 8, and ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So when you got saved, you didn't get it all. It is taught that in most churches that when you get saved, you get everything. I have news for you. Even when you get the Holy Ghost, you don't get it all. Praise God, you're just getting ready to get things when you get the Holy Spirit. I'm going to shock some of you. Getting saved, you know what it does for you? Now, I, 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 you know, it would be foolish for a man to minimize the significance of salvation, so I wouldn't even think of such a thing. But all you do is get eternal life, and that's a statement, and you, you get ready for heaven. But you really do not get anything for this present world to help you to go through the, the problems that Satan will ram at you and do everything he can. That's what the Holy Ghost is for. He is not to get you ready for heaven. He is not to get your name in the Lamb's book of life. He is not to cover you by the blood. Jesus does that when he saves you. Somebody said, well, why in the world do I need it? Well, if you're planning on dying today, you don't need it much. But if you're going to live in this world any time at all, you need the power of the Holy Ghost to, to help you to be what you ought to be in Christ Jesus. Now somebody said, Brother Swaggart, I agree with that. I believe that. But the tongues are the problem. This is where the trouble comes. This is where the reproach comes. I cannot see any use in it. You didn't see any use in getting saved before you got saved, did you? Back when you stuck that old bottle of beer in your hand 20 years ago and you said I just don't see any sense in all that stuff but one day the gospel of God got in your heart and you realized you were a lost sinner on your way to hell and then you began to see how important it really was so don't try to act like you're more smart more brilliant more wise more intelligent than God that is ridiculous if you're going to Oppose it, just sit back and say, well, I don't know anything about it, and I'm just going to leave it at that, if you want to take that position. But tongues are where the problems are, where the problem is. I was in the meeting in Kansas City. We were praying for people. After service, I turned around. Two men were standing there. I did not know either one of them. I'd never seen them in my life. I noticed one was a foreign extraction. 
He shook my hand. He said, Brother Swaggart, I'm a Jew. I was raised on the Sea of Galilee. He said, I was raised right there, born there, raised there, grew up beside that beautiful, and he told me some things about it, shimmering body of water called the Sea of Galilee. He said, I live now close to Jerusalem, and I'm over here in America on business. I'll be going back just a while. And this is what he told me. He took my hand and he said, brothers, well, uh, the other preacher that was with him said, tell him, tell him, tell him. He said, when you were praying for those people to receive the Holy Ghost, he said, of course, I'm a Jew. I was born a Jew. I was raised a Jew. I will die a Jew, but I've accepted Jesus Christ as my own personal Savior and he said, do you know what you were speaking whenever you were praying for those people? I said, no, sir, I do not. He said, when you were speaking in tongues, as I began to pray for them, I went into tongues. I started praying in tongues. I do that all the time, so it's nothing uncommon. And I started praying. Thousands were praising God. And I started praying in tongues. Many others were too. He said, you know the language you was talking, speaking whenever you started praying for those people in other tongues? I said, no, I do not. He said, you were speaking as perfect Hebrew as I have ever heard in my life. And the first thing I said, my mouth went open. I said, what did I say? 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 He said, you were saying, dear Heavenly Father, pour out of your rivers of love upon these and baptize them in the mighty Holy Ghost and fill them according to thy word and according to thy promise. Hallelujah. I walked away from there. Now, it thrilled me. But I am filled with the Holy Ghost, not because somebody heard me speak some language I'd never known before, but because I have it, the Bible says I have it, and that is my criteria. But I went away and tears just rolled down my cheeks. This thing is real. There is a tremendous significance to it. The reason that it is, is because, first of all, it is a sign that the individual has been filled or received the gift of the Holy Ghost. And the book of Acts, chapter 10 and verse 46, this is what it says. Acts 10 and verse 46 Let's start at the 45th verse. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished. Now this was, is when Peter went to the household of Cornelius. And right while he was preaching, the Holy Ghost fell, and all of them received the gift of the Holy Ghost. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. It said that they were filled with the Holy Ghost, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Turn to the 11th chapter, right? The next chapter, starting with verse 15. Peter said as he was addressing the council at Jerusalem, 
And as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them as on us at the beginning. Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. For as much then as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. The reason they knew they had been filled, he said they were filled just like us, was because it said in Acts chapter 10, we heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Secondly, the reason speaking in tongues is so important is because it edifies the believer. In 1 Corinthians 14 and 4, if you have your Bibles, turn to that. 1 Corinthians 14, 4, He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. I've even heard some precious people that did not know any better that tried to say, well, that's nothing to that. You know, well, you, you don't need to edify yourself. My brother, you do need to edify yourself. You need to be full of the Holy Ghost 24 hours a day that you can help others also. Now, it's just like a battery being charged. That's what that, that term means in, in, in the Greek. It's just like you plug in a battery and you recharge that battery. Whenever Jimmy Swaggart speaks in tongues, which I do every day of my life, I don't have to do it to stay saved. I don't have to do it to stay filled with the Holy Ghost. I don't have to do it for a lot of reasons. But I do it because I want to build up myself. I want to recharge my spiritual batteries. That whenever the devil comes to me and I push that old starter, it won't just whine, but brother, it'll be ripping and roaring and ready to go by the power of Almighty God. Edify yourself. Edify yourself. It'll build you up. It'll strengthen you. And thirdly, it is important because it is a divine means of communication. 1 Corinthians 14 and 14. Paul said, For I, if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth. Now think of this. My spirit prayeth. It is a means of divine communication. In 14th chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. If you want to see something that's holy, it's whenever you come down before the Lord and you have divine communication with Him and you start to pray in other tongues. I made the statement some time ago that whenever you do this, the devil does not know what you say. Somebody said, Brother Swaggart, how in the world can it help you? Because you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what you're saying. No, you don't, but the devil doesn't either. One man wrote me in a big, long, I get amused sometimes at some of these letters, great big, long letter, and he just knew, man, he had just put the cork in the bottle. He said, I don't understand that. Do you not agree that that... That tongues are languages? Yes, they are. That's correct. Every time someone speaks in tongues, it is not gibberish or chatter or jabber. It is a language of men or angels. And 
The speaker doesn't know the language, though. That's where the difference is. He's never learned the language. He never learned it in school. It is uttered by supernatural means. He doesn't know what he's saying. And when we go before, before God, it is a means of divine communication. I said, you're right, sir, it is a language. He said, do you not agree that the devil understands all languages? And that's true. I'm sure that that old Slewfoot does. I'm sure he understands Japanese, all the dialects of the world. He understands Hindu, English, French, Italian, everything. However, the Bible said when a person speaks in other tongues... No man understandeth him, howbeit in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. It is a secret code between God's child and the Heavenly Father. And I want to tell you the devil may hear it, but he doesn't understand what is being said. It is a divine channel where you can pray to the Heavenly Father and instantly have divine communication. Glory to God. My Lord, that's good. Praise the Lord. I know the governor in Louisiana, but I just can't pick up that phone anytime I want to and say I want to talk to him. I know the United States senator there, and I've talked to him a time or two, but I just can't pick up the phone and say, I want to speak to Russell Long in Washington. You know, some problems there. I do not know the president, but I know one greater than the president, and any time I want to get through to him, he and I have divine communication. Hallelujah to God and the Lamb forever. Woo, praise the Lord. Mm. We're kind of funny anyway, us Christians, especially us spirit-filled folk. I got on a plane the other day, I got to tell you this, I got on a plane the other day going to Seattle, Washington for a crusade. That's before we got our plane. And uh, I looks up and here comes a man and his wife that I had known for years. They came into that plane and, and they came through the door and the thing was jammed with people except the seat I was sitting on was no one on that seat and it was no one on the front seat right in front of me right next to the wall there and everything else I, if I remember correctly every seat was filled in that plane except that one place God just kept that open for us and when I saw them man they jumped that high he said hey brother swagger and he wasn't three feet from me and they sat down right in the seat in front of me because he, he's a pilot he flies those big things and, you know, we don't know anything about the stock market. I own no stock. For those of you that go to bed at night clutching the Wall Street Journal saying, I hope and pray it makes it, to, I'll pray for you, but I don't have any. And so we don't know. You know, I'm not too much interested in fishing either. It takes too much time. I'm so excited about what I'm doing, winning souls for Jesus, preaching this gospel, getting lives changed. Uh, I know a lot of other things are legitimate, uh, but they just don't interest me anymore. Nothing wrong with it. just doesn't interest me. So all we knew to talk about was Jesus Christ. And what a subject. His wife got on a seat, put her elbows on the front, and was kneeling in the seat facing me, and he was too. 
And he started telling me about a man being raised, I'm, I'm sorry, about a woman being raised from the dead in Dallas, Texas. Raised from the dead. And I was sitting there all eyes and all ears. And he said, Brother Swaggart, the lady sings in our choir and said, that the paramedics were there. She was dead. They'd pulled the sheet over her. Her kids were out of their mind. They were out there just, just all the, some of the neighbors trying to help them. Their mother was dead. She was in her late 30s, a young woman, dead. Hard to quit. The paramedics said, it's, we're waiting on a coroner to come and officially pronounce her dead, and then the ambulance will take her on to the funeral home. And he said about that time, a man, and I know that man, Lives a few doors down. He saw the commotion, all the cars and the paramedics, the fire trucks and all that stuff. And so he came in there and said, what's going on? They said, well, Mrs. So-and-so's died. He said, died? Now, I know him. Oh, you ought to know him. Every time I'm anywhere close to Dallas, Texas, he'll come. And it used to be when I would see him coming, I would say, oh, Lord, no. Because just as sure as I'd start preaching, he'd start running. Just like a choo-choo train right down that aisle. He'd get so happy, and if a pew got in his way, he'd jump it. And when he'd come in, I'd say, oh, my Lord, no. I pray that he'll have to find a chair in the middle. Don't let him get on an aisle, Lord, don't let him. I was preaching for H.C. Noah. You know H.C. Noah. Dallas, Texas, one of the biggest churches in the whole world. Beautiful thing. And I preached, I don't know how many times there. That place was jammed to the walls at night. People were sitting in an aisle. They had chairs in the aisles. But it didn't stop him. He took out. I was right in the middle of my message and the glory fell. And just as sure as the glory fell, he was going to hit for the high 40. He took off down at <laughs> he took off down at aisle and brother the Olympics would have been proud of him. I looked up, he went out in the vestibule, and a few seconds later he came down that side just to go on at it, man. I sent my associate after him. That was a mistake. After three circles, the associate leaned up against the wall, out of breath. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> and you see, you know, some precious people, they'll write me letters, why did you do so and so? Don't ever criticize a preacher. If you don't believe what he does or like what he does, love him, pray for him, and go somewhere else. But don't criticize him because you can't even begin to realize the responsibility that he has. And I, I, I'm always thinking about people. Every sermon I preach, I'll preach what God says it and doesn't make any difference. But I'm saying, Lord, I don't want to make that person mad. I don't want to let Jimmy Swaggart get into it and, and hinder a person by unwise decisions. And so when he started running, the first thing I thought, oh, my Lord, the Presbyterians that are here and the Baptists, my goodness, they'll, they'll never come back. And he just <laughs> right down that aisle. After service... Just exactly what I'd been thinking, a little Presbyterian woman, ear bobs hanging down, her hair comb perfect, prettier dresses you'd ever seen. She was dressed to the nines, whatever in the world that is. 
she came up to my associate that was still trying to get his breath and said, why did, I finally told him to sit down. I said, sit down. He said, put on his brakes, sit down. Somebody said, now, Brother Swaggart, that just shows if he'd have been in the spirit, he would not have sat down. That's where you don't know what you're talking about. I don't care what you're doing. If a preacher says, stop, stop, he's in charge of the service. If he's wrong, God will deal with him, not you. You follow what I'm talking about? If you try to overcome the one in authority, you're getting all the, everything all mixed up and you'll have nothing but problems. He stopped, sat down. Smile just as big. Didn't it? That's when it threw me. I thought, you know, most Christians would have got their head up right here. Bless God, I'll never go back there again long as the day I live. You follow what I'm saying? A lot of dear old saints would have done that. But he just sat there and smiled and said, I love you. I thought, man, that ungeared me, you know, because I... She said, why did Brother Swaggart call him down? He said, well, I, yeah, well I, he's still trying to get his breath, you know. She said, I rather enjoyed his running. He's not a preacher. Not even a Sunday school teacher. Anyway, he walked in and said, what's wrong with her? He said, she's dead. He walked up to the head paramedic, said, you care if I pray for her? Paramedic looked at the other and said, uh, well, what you going to do? He said, I'm going to pray for her. He said, well, you do know she's dead, don't you? He said, yeah. I said, I know that. One of them said, well, <laughs> it won't hurt anything. Let him go ahead. <laughs> what, what harm can it do, you know? He reached down, pulled the sheet back, laid his hands on her, cold forehead. He said, dear Lord of heaven, I rebuke death. I command life back into this woman. Your word said they'll lay hands on, they'll raise the dead. And he said, her kids need her, and beside that, she sings in our choir. And I'm telling you, brother, when he said, in the name of Jesus, the power of God hit that dead corpse as sure as I'm standing on this platform, and all of a sudden, one of those paramedics turned as white as the pages of my Bible. He started shaking all over, and he said, Oh, my God, my God, my God. He said, Look at her. She's moving. She's moving. She's moving. And I want to tell you, brother, people were praying. Some were coming, and some were going. That woman got up off of that couch and started walking that floor praising God. You talk about a camp meeting, they had one. Now, I know some old unbelievers will say, well, she wasn't really dead to start with. You go find a lake and jump right in the middle of it. Uh, I happen to believe that the power of Almighty God lifted her up uh, and brought her back. Hallelujah. And whenever he told me that, he and his wife, he was crying, she was crying, and I was crying, and I was speaking in tongues to myself. Man, just, it just flowing all through me. And about that time, a little stewardess came by. And she was pushing one of these little wagons full of swill. They have pretty bottles, 
beautiful colored labels, but it's swill. And she prints up beside the chair and said, Sir, would you like to have a drink? And that's when he had just told me about that woman coming from the dead. She asked me at the wrong time. I turned around her and I was speaking in tongues and I went over into English. I said, no, lady, I don't want any. I'm drunk already. Hallelujah. I scared her. Scared her. She burned rubber with that little cart. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isn't that a whole lot better than some old dead preacher preaching some old dead sermon to some old dead congregation? Isn't that a whole lot better than icicles in a pulpit and frost in a pew? Isn't that a whole lot better than dead formalism? Give me the power of God. No wonder Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Hallelujah. I get more letters from people saying, Brother Swaggart, you know, now that you own all these stations and all this, please don't change. You don't have to worry, honey. It's the Holy Ghost and fire that's keeping me alive. It's keeping me alive. It's keeping me alive. And I'm going to preach it and shout it and sing it all the days of my life. Hallelujah. Woo, glory be to God. My Lord, I knew this was going to be a good one today. Mm. Divine communication. Divine communication. Fourthly, I only have 15 points, so just stick with it. Now, this is something a lot of you never thought of. It eliminates speaking in tongues, praying in tongues, eliminates selfishness in your praying. It eliminates selfishness in your praying. Do you know, now listen to me, that a lot of Christians pray a lot of things into existence that they ought not to have prayed into existence. Israel did that with their king. We want a king. We want it no matter what we want it. God said he'll cause you problems, he'll put a yoke on your neck, he'll spend your money, he'll work you, and he'll put sweat on your brow, he'll put you in jail, he'll cause you all kind of problems, he'll get you into trouble, but if you just are dead set on it, you can have him. We've got a lot of Christians that do not know how to pray. They think they're praying in the will of God, don't have the slightest idea what they're praying. But when you pray in tongues, you always pray according to the will of God, exactly as the Spirit would want you to pray, and you never pray selfishly. Fifthly, it helps your faith. Now listen, when you speak in tongues, you have to trust God for the next sentence. The next word, the next statement. It builds your faith. Encourages your faith. Jude 1 and 20 saying, said, praying in the Holy Ghost. Building your faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Jude chapter 1. It's only one chapter to Jude verse 20. Last of all, it provides a way to pray that will always pray, not selfishly, 
but according exactly to what God wants you to pray. Romans 8 and 26 says, Likewise the Spirit helpeth our infirmities. We know not how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession through us with groanings which cannot be uttered, and the Greek says which cannot be articulated in a natural or normal voice. I want to close with this. Listen to me. There are things that come up in your life, in my life, that you do not really know how to pray about. Now, I know this word. Admittedly, I have a lot to learn about it, but I have learned much about it. I study it hours a day. I live in it. I study it over, 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 and over again. It is my life. I can take this book I have in my hand and get just about anything in this world I want or need. I heard a preacher say once, and I, it kind of shook me when he said it, but I, after I thought about it, I agreed with him. He said, I'd rather go downtown without my pants than without my Bible. He said, I can take my Bible and get another pair of pants. That's a little ridiculous, but you understand what I mean. When the camp meeting hour went on the air seven years ago, there was no full gospel, Pentecostal, charismatic, whatever name you'd like to use, daily program, national program that was on the air. There were many local programs that were great. There were weekly programs that were excellent, but no daily program that I knew anything about. No one else really. God began to bless it in such a way that he told me to do it. I, I obeyed him to the best of my ability. He began to take it all across the nation. Now, there was a religious element, powerful and strong. Whenever it began to grow, they began to set out to stop it. They said, we're going to put you off the air. We will not have anybody preaching this divine healing, this faith, and this Holy Spirit and tongues. We will not stand for it. One man wrote and said, I will not have you on my station because when you sing and when you preach, he said, people call me and they cry. He said, it makes them cry. And I won't, this was not a sinner, this was a so-called Christian. I won't put up with it. What in essence he was saying, I want you to preach like some of the others that put you to sleep. There was an approach made by Satan. He used individuals to do it. He didn't use the prostitutes or the drug addicts or the dope fiends or the bank robbers or the thieves or the liars or what have you. He used the religious body. They formed a plan that for just a little bit, it, it so staggered me. It, 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 it so staggered me, I, whenever... I found out about it. I was sitting behind my desk in my office in Baton Rouge, and I, I just put my head, I thought, what in the world are we going to do? Because the first thing I thought, in, in, in 30 days' time, we'll be off the air. They had taken it all the way to Washington, D.C. They had formulated it perfect. We're going to stop it. We're going to get it off. We won't have that kind of stuff being preached. We're going to stop it. 
I, I walked out of my office in a daze. I, I was stunned because I realized the magnitude of it. I realized the array of forces that were against me. I went home, and I have a prayer room there. It's no altar in it or anything like that. It's just a room. It's got a ping-pong table in it. I have played ping-pong the last five years, a total of four minutes. That's the total of my ping-pong play. But I use that room to pray in. And it's, it's a place that I touch God. I get my orders. I fellowship with my Heavenly Father day and night. And I went in that room, and it, the, the thing was so gigantic, I said, Lord, I don't know how to pray about it. I don't even know what to say. I don't even know what to ask you to do. We know not how to pray as we ought, is what the Scripture said. And I was weeping when I said it. So I said, what I'm going to do, I'm going to pray about an hour in other tongues because the Holy Ghost knows what to say. And I started praying about that problem in other tongues. I started asking God in other tongues. I didn't know what I was saying. God never gave me the interpretation of it. I started praying in other tongues, and I could sense several times that the language would change as I prayed. I don't know what it was, but I could sense it change. When I got through praying, the burden was lifted. In the physical or natural, I didn't know any more than when I came, but yet, I knew in my spirit that it was taken care of. I knew it. And the way the Lord did it was so amazing. He used some Catholic laymen. You think of that. Some Catholic laymen that did not even know what the Holy Ghost was. And they said, we like what he preaches. And we know some fellows in Washington that's bigger than the ones they know. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> and they called, I don't even know who it was they called, but they called them. And when it finally wound up, the individuals that were trying to put us out of business called and said, please, please, we'll never say another word. I'm about to lose my job. I got kids to feed. Please stop. Please stop. We won't say another thing against you. You can preach it all you want to. I jumped about that high. I said, hey, devil, did you hear that? Praise the Lord. But what happened? The Holy Ghost brought the petition to God the Father. And the Lord Jesus Christ started working the thing out and started using this one, using that one, and started laying his plans. But if I had not known the power of praying in other tongues, there's a possibility Satan would have succeeded. But I prayed it through in the Spirit. And I want to close with this. There are a lot of you out here that think Romans 8, 28, you live by. But we know that all things work together for the good to them that are the called according to his promise. But some of you have been, you've had your spiritual nose rubbed in the dirt with that particular scripture. You've been led to believe that, that no matter what happens, everything's going to work out good. That's not true. 
If you just live like that, the devil is going to kick your teeth in. What do you mean, preacher? Don't read that just that one scripture. You mean to say, Brother Swaggart, you don't believe Romans 8, 28? Yes, yes, yes. A thousand times, just more than you do. But before you can have the effects of Romans 8.28 in your life, you have to first put Romans 8.26 into effect. When you face a problem and you pray that problem through in the Spirit, in the Spirit, and you could even do it in English, pray that thing through. When the devil comes against you with sickness, with poverty, with, with, with bondage, whatever it may be, pray that thing through in the Spirit then everything has to work together for the good to them that are the called according to God's promises. That's another great significance of speaking with other tongues. Neighbor, God has great things for you. More than just an hour of so-called church on Sunday morning. He has a whole new way of life. That is so great, words cannot explain it. Only the heart can receive it. It's yours if you want it. Would you bow your heads?
Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.